Hello, you're very welcome along to the latest edition of Newstalk's SSE, our Tristy League podcast. Uh, I am Richie McCormick, and to my right, uh, I was going to say, I think we're alone now, Dan, but it's not true. Yeah. It sounds like you have the... Anything I was going to say. Can we start this again? Jesus, sorry. Sorry. Hold on a second. This is what you replaced me with. No, no. Dan, <laughs> Richie and I always do this in one take. Yeah. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be part of the podcast. Listen, thanks for everything while I was away, but uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to be. Yeah, this isn't going to work out. Yeah, Brendan, no. Oshin's back, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Listen to that fanfare. I don't have headphones, so I assume you're playing crowd noise. Yeah. Lots of cheering going on here. Lots, I don't know if lots it's of for cheering. you or against you, though. Are they saying boo or are they saying it's, no, Dan, It's related to him. Let's put it that okay, way. It's, it's related. related to him. It pertains to Oshin Langan, so it does. Uh, on this week's edition of the podcast, Bray have uh, seen a fantastic and almost remarkable and miraculous upswing in their form over the past few months. We'll speak to one of the men behind that, their manager, Harry Kenny. Uh, we'll also speak to Paul O'Hare of the Irish Daily Mirror with the news that the league season is to be arranged, uh, rearranged even uh, for the coming years and perhaps even might stretch slightly longer than planned this season. That's all to come and it's all because of Dundalk's progress in Europe and the knock-on effects of postponements of games, uh, some of which we've seen during the week, which has actually affected Dundalk themselves. They now have a five-point lead and they've played one game more than Cork City after this weekend's results and playing a central part to that uh, games against Shamrock Rovers, firstly for Cork on the Friday night and then for Dundalk. So, uh, Sammy, no, Stephen Bradley's side. Hold on a sec. What are you no, suggesting? I'm not suggesting that. Are you suggesting that Stephen Bradley is still making the decisions? No. Well, Stephen Bradley is making decisions. Clearly, he's the manager. Yes. This so is the what, case. Okay, when I got back yeah. on Tuesday last, right, yeah. two things to tell you about the League of Ireland and the Paralympics. Firstly, the first thing I did when I got oh, back God, was Oh, God, you're watch. drawing comparisons. Yeah. Here we no, go. No, this no, is no. like, no, no, then no. rugby fellas want to take a look at what the hurling lads <laughs> exactly, doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, right, when I got back, the first thing I saw on TV was Rovers against Dundalk. Yeah. And I saw, it was like Father Ted. Um, uh, Stephen Bradley was like Father Jack. And Ristler was on the bench, obviously controlling him with a remote control because he's the manager. So that's how it has to work, right? For those who obviously can't see this, which is obviously everybody because it's a podcast and we haven't filmed it. I'd like to point out how retro Ushin went with that because you went with a miming a joystick effort as opposed to that's perhaps using a, like a PS2 thing. Yeah, but I've never had a PS2. so PS1? Yes. All right, there you go. Only so I could play DVDs. PS3 or 4? Actually, I won it off 96FM in 1998. That'll tell you how long ago it was. 20 years ago yeah now the other thing is as well Dundalk are the reason why many foreign journalists now know what the word feck is because Dundalk as opposed to Father Ted Dundalk yes because so you're saying Dundalk is better than Father Ted no I was Dundalk has had a Dundalk has had a deeper societal impact on the continent uh, for the Irish diaspora than the seminal comedy of Arthur Matthews and Arthur Matthews is a Drogheda fan well what I'm saying is, is if it wasn't for Dundalk, you have a point here. Do you? What I'm saying is, if it wasn't for Dundalk, yeah. many foreign journalists would not know what the word "feck" is, and now they they do. Why? As good as Father Ted is, as much of an impact as it has had, it still has not taught many journalists the word "feck" like Father Ted had, or like Dundalk had. We don't have to bleep this, but how many times have we said "feck"? Go on, feck, feck, Dundalk. Feck. No, it's okay. It's, yeah. okay. it's a podcast. We can say whatever the f- we want. Um, I was keeping an eye on. Um, the Dundalk game. I couldn't get a stream of it. Not that I would ever try and illegally stream anything, guys, you understand. Because he doesn't need to do it here. It would have been an RT player. Says the lad who bought GA Go. That's not illegally streaming. But of course you That's would. That's illegally streaming. And GA Go didn't work in Brazil. Yeah, but you would try it for, uh, for me. You tried for a League of Ireland game, but you went for the GA. Well, I tried it for a Europa League game. Anyway. Can we get back to the point here when, that you're apparently trying to make here? When Alberg scored, yeah. I shouted feck 
and I was in the middle of the main press centre right. in Rio right. and I could see journalists looking around so needless to say me being the crack Irish guy uh, I explained to them what feck was you went round rather than them asking you yeah no one asked actually I just you went, went round, round table by table and stopped so them by, by, the, sorry. by the way do you know what I said there <laughs> exactly yeah what I exclaimed was actually yeah and by foreign I mean you know and Channel 4 and by the world's journalists you mean 20 or so uh, random journalists from certain areas that were at the Paralympics at the same event you were at at that time yeah that's exactly what I mean nice that you made the most of your time over there though yeah I mean that one story sums up how much more I did over there than you and how much more of an impact I had over there than you there's the crowd noise again how'd you get on with that carvery Oh no, I, there was Carvery. It's not Carvery. It is Carvery. It's set up like a Carvery and you go up to someone who's at a till and they make you pay for it, but mm. they do it by weight. So it was quite an expensive trip. <laughs> you actually have to put your plate on a scale. Plate's weight, not yours. And they're wise to the trick of you kind of holding up the plate. <laughs> I kind of left mine hanging slightly off. Yeah. So the full weight, but it wasn't necessarily... Oh, she does look a little bit... Chunkier. Uh, fuller, I was going to say. That's, that's his fancy new Tommy Hilfiger shirt. Yeah. <laughs> which you paid how much for? You didn't use your per diem on that though, so, so that's the important clarification exactly you made here. I didn't starve myself just so I could buy stuff in duty free. Good man. Uh, Dan, you went and saw uh, Rovers Sligo, that is, yes. uh, being hammered by Bray. Yes, second, so, second time this season what? that they've lost 4 0 to Bray in Bray. And uh, I suppose this is the reason we're talking to Harry Kenny because yeah. a lot of people would have. Uh, gone into that game that would have been ignorant of the fact of Bray's success recently thought I think a lot of people pretty much on a game by game basis kind of turn around and go It'll oh, Bray won again yeah exactly <laughs> sorry did anyone not, this is before I left and well before I left Can did anyone not again? see them beat Dundalk yeah, but that's, that's I was the at thing. that game I saw them beat Dundalk yeah. but everybody still kind of goes oh James Bray won again yeah but like yeah. even now just looking at Bray's uh, recent games they've lost one in the last 13 league games that's in, that's championship winning it, form. isn't it yeah. and like they're unbeaten at home since May a it, lot has happened since May It's now all get, around Ireland a lot has happened since May it's now gotten to the point where they've gone from worrying about possibly being relegated to kind of go oh we're safe to now they're on the precipice of thinking ah oh Christ if you'd only had this form in March, yeah. April and May then you know they could easily be pushing for a fourth or fifth spot in the league yeah. I know they're only ninth at the minute but at the game the other night uh, I suppose the less I can say about it from a Slug Roar's perspective, the better. But Bray were absolutely excellent. Well, it actually swung the idea of who we we're going to get as a guest for this week's podcast because yeah. we were thinking, we had mentioned it, I think, even in the pod last week, we should get Dave Robertson on. Yeah. We haven't had him on so far this season. <laughs> Slug are doing all right. The curse of this podcast. Wrong. Yeah. They're not. So that means uh, we can all automatically congratulate Off the Ball's favourite, uh, Works of Jutes and Lee Chin. Lee Chin. Because uh, Bray are against them next, uh, this weekend. In Ferry Carrick. This is a great move by Wexford. This is a fantastic, even if he doesn't play a second of League of Ireland football, it is a fantastic move because it's them getting an icon from Wexford involved in the club and it kind of further reinforces their brand within Wexford and they're building up a, a base in the southeast and a following it, and this will help. It's but a small thing. They it's already small... have Mr. Wexford though in McAuliffe. Well, well was, this, is, this point yeah. is kind of tied in. It's a small thing, I know, but they made the announcement, or one, partially the way they made the announcement was via their Twitter the other night, whereby they had a picture of Chin in the actual Wexford's GA jersey doing the whole fist pump to the camera thing, but like he signed its official yada 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 in that awful font that Wallace insists on using on yes. everything that looks like something from Microsoft Word from 1995. Mick, if, I've one word of advice, it's change your font. Uh, but they use that, but that 
idea that Wexford Youths is tied into Wexford GEA and somebody as iconic within the county as Lee Chin being there, that's absolutely massive. Could we say the Wallace Santa is the comic sans of League of Round? It is. Yeah. It, yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, like, as God. we uh, we heard the other night off the ball, this is now a reason for the non-Wexford Youths fan to go to Ferry Carrick Park. Just have a nose. Even if it's for yeah. one game, to say, oh, yeah. what will what, Chin be like at centre-half? It's worth it. And the thing is as well, Lee Chin is like a really, really, really solid elite athlete. Yeah. And he's also a guy who has done, who has made himself a solid elite athlete and an icon unpaid. So oh you go in, go. no, no, go. you go into a club and look, there's nothing wrong with the commitment level of the Wexford Youth players or whatever, but it just reinforces it. And it's a good thing. And they look and go, okay, he's one of our own. Let's try and match this standard. How will he and Lee Chin, by the way, has made himself an icon at a time when Wexford are absolutely terrible at hurling. Well, the, 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 by the, comparison this, to the 1960. Well, yeah, everything compared to the 1960. Yeah. All he needs to do now is bring in a Martin Story moustache. And there's oh, God. Different. Can we? Oshin. Back to the league around, yeah. How is Lee Chin going to cope with the hooliganism of the soccer crowd? He That's what gonna, we want to know. He is going to sort them out. <laughs> is he? He is going to sort them out. Will he have a hurl kind of, you know, standing by just tucked underneath one of the stands of Ferry Carry Park to go and take to them? He won't need one. Uh, let's hear about uh, Lee Chin's signing to Wexford Youths uh, from the manager Shane Keegan who was on Off the Ball during the week with talking to Joe Look I, I suppose my, my underage um, involvement in soccer initially when I started out was, was in Kilkenny so I, I was used to um, seeing some very talented soccer players maybe give up the game when they started getting selected on Kilkenny minor panels and Kilkenny under 21 panels and that's the case all around the country um, and you know, there's there's a couple of cases like that down in Wexford, and 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 one such case is is Lee Chin. Obviously, Lee is is a fantastic hurler. Um, he's actually a great Gaelic footballer as well. Obviously, mm. but uh, he's a he's a brilliant soccer player. He's he's actually played League of Ireland first division when he was a, a good bit younger with um Watford United. Um, and I'd seen him play a, a few times with, with in the the All Ireland Oscar Trainer League and the whole lot. Of, he's he's a cracking player and. We've had a little bit of a, uh, um, an injury crisis at the moment at, at the back. Um, so I just made a couple of inquiries with Lee to see, given that his hurling commitments were finished up for a short while, if he could, could possibly come on board and, and, and it potentially gives a dig out. And, and he's up for it, yeah? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he can be a great addition. I mean, he's, as I say, I've seen him playing... Um, you know, numerous times, and he's—you can imagine the kind of player he is. He's an athlete. You know, he gets around the place. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'd, I'd, I'd say he's fit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fit is fit is putting it mildly, all right. Yeah, um, but no, he can play. He can right. play as well as that, so he can certainly. And um, look, he's not. It's, this is not. This is not Lee embarking on a League of Ireland career or anything like that. It's just a, a simple case of Lee. Lee is a very, very proud Wexford man, and. He was talking about how proud he was to see Wexford Youth competing at the top level, and and when I said that I thought he might be able to possibly make a contribution into trying to keep it as keep us at that level, he mm. said, "Yeah, look, if it's if it's six seven weeks, um, he, he'll he'll jump in there and see what he can do for us." And, and presumably, the plan is to go back to the hurling. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, we we finish up at. Uh, the end of October, beginning of November, if we end up in the playoffs, and and that's what Lee will come on board. He'll give us a, a, a handout during that short period, and then absolutely, yeah. look, Harlan is is obviously a look to my mind. I'd say he, he must be in with a shout of getting an All Star this year. He's been outstanding. He's only gone mm. from strength to strength in Harlan, but uh, we'll make use of him while we can. That's for sure. There you go, Shane Keegan speaking to Off the Wall during the week about Lee Chin's signing to Wexford Youths, uh, albeit temporarily. He's going to be heading back, as you heard in October for the uh, resumption of the hurling campaign and we just have to apologise dear listener because such is the malignant influence of Wushin Langan that as soon as you rise back into the country the talk turns to GEA and Carveries on this thing which is just I'm just saying I know it's where you're comfortable but yeah. you know 
Well, I'm Stop. just saying that GA people generally are a better sort. So if we can get that better oh, sort involved in the League of Ireland. And there goes his good. microphone. That's terrible. Uh, Oshin, do you want to go? Um, well, I guess since I have been missing for the last three weeks and didn't see a whole pile of football, I guess then there's no point. You in missed a great Kenny Shields interview last week. You did. Yeah, well, I we, did we, we, one we, myself we, a couple of weeks before, lads, for the podcast. <laughs> But we so were, I'm just saying, if you're that unoriginal when I'm away, we were just we were just saying though. It, oh, at Christmas! It, let's do what's your worst ever Christmas present. That'd be brilliant, real original. They had been better while you were away. The atmosphere in the room, just you know. That's because you don't challenge each other. There's been less anger, Oshin. Don't need to. We don't need to challenge each other for. What's the challenge? Don't each other? challenge each other. See, this is what I'm talking about. Both of our listeners have been very complimentary. That's what I'm talking about. See, this would never happen in GA. We challenge Listen, each other. If there's anything I know, we it's good multi-presenter dynamics and how to make them work on a microphone right some people don't understand that Oshin so and I think you might be one of them <laughs> that's just unnecessary that's, that's mean why would you be so mean welcome back Oshin thanks Dan thanks. oh by the way congratulations on um, yeah. your land grab of Phoenix Park it's not a land grab <laughs> it's a land grab, it's not a land you can, grab. and the thing what I love about this is I can still slag, slag off Shamrock Rovers for getting a stadium handed to them but you can't uh, no you can't he's actually going right here the I'm FAI not. have bailed you out the FAI are amongst the best administrators this game has ever seen ladies and gentlemen I've just learned of a change in the station's management welcome movementarians continue to improve our lives I love you perfect leader and new CEO of KBBO Broadcasting and I look forward to taking up my residency in the John Delaney stand at the All New Delaney what about the Delaney Mount Park though as you mentioned last week I think the John Delaney Memorial stand is probably adequate Memorial? And, and what will going to die sometime what will the pitches at Phoenix Park be called? Franz Fields <laughs> Brilliant. For Fran Gavin and also for the late Fran Fields. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, right, it is time to talk about uh, Bray's upswing in their form in recent times. And Which started before I left, but I'm going to go anyway, guys, because you seem to want to do this alone. There you go, his microphone's gone again. Okay, well, I'm delighted to say we've been joined on the line by the man who's responsible for Bray's upswing in form over the past while. I'm sure he's going to delegate a lot of that responsibility to the players, but Bray's manager, Harry Kenny, uh, joins us on the podcast this week. Harry, you're very welcome to do the uh, to the show. Thanks very much. Thank you. It's nice to have you on because we've been meaning for a while. We mentioned it earlier on in, in the podcast that, you know, over the past few weeks and months, I don't want to say pretty much every week that goes by it's surprising to see Bray pick up three points because now we're in a position whereby you're unbeaten at home since May uh, you're pretty much safe now as it were and you've got one loss one defeat in the last 13 league games oh, uh, which, much, is, yeah. which is a brilliant brilliant record um, we want to just ask you what what do you put it down to? Um, I think everyone knows that uh, wins and good results breeds confidence in, in the team um, also going back in the window we got in a few lads um, which helped to cause no end um, like the likes of Tim Clancy come in at centre back and he came from Sligo John Sullivan um, came from Galway Kevin Lynch playing at left back they're playing in the team over that um, great run that you talked about yeah. so they've helped no end and they've added the competition and as a result the whole thing has just taken off the, the training has been great it's improved no end. The competition is fantastic. And I've had a, a headache every week trying to pick a team, you know, so that's all helped no end. 
Harry, I know you've mentioned there the, the players that have come in in the last transfer window, but I just want to ask you specifically about one player who came in at the start of the season, Dylan Connolly. He probably had the pick of teams that he could have come to in the League of Ireland uh, after moving back from Ipswich, but he chose to move to Bray. And from watching him last Saturday night in the Carlisle grounds, I thought he was absolutely excellent. I know he's been one of your top scorers this year in the league. How crucial has he been since he's returned from England? Very crucial. It, it, it took Dylan a while to get going. Um, over the first few games now, um, I don't know whether it was the disappointment that coming home from Ipswich or what it was, but um, after that, the number of weeks um, that he's got his feet under the table, he's been absolutely brilliant for us, creating and scoring goals, as you say. His, his pace is unbelievable. It's, it's the best I've ever seen. I'm in the game a long time. and He's, he's adding stuff now. He's been a revelation for us. He's been very good, yeah. Is it brilliant for the for a club uh, the size of Bray that you're able to attract these players now coming back from England that who, uh, with I suppose with all respect to Bray and to the League of Ireland in general, would be hoping to get back to England again by their performances in the league? I, I'd, I'd say that'd be Dylan's ambition, yeah. You're right to get back. It is brilliant for, for Bray to get players like that. But we, we've come on hugely um, this season, absolutely hugely. Um, we're, we're competing with the, the better teams in the league. We've beaten Dundalk. We've drawn with Rovers, beaten Pats. You know, we, we've had some fantastic results over the course of the last 12 weeks. And uh, Dylan's contribution to that has been very, very good. Very good. Was it something, because obviously you worked under, under Mick McCook before he left the club. Was it something that frustrated you, given that there are very good players at at the club and there's experienced uh, people from within the league at the club as well from a playing perspective. It was frustrating you at the start of the season to see that the results weren't necessarily matching the potential of the squad you had at, at your at your hands? Yeah, I think it was frustrating for everyone, for Mick, myself and all the players. Like uh, Mick put in some very good players who are, who are still there. Some of them have departed obviously as well in the window. But uh, there was a nucleus of um, a very good team there uh, when I took over the caretaker capacity um, a few months ago. So I was delighted to get those. But it was just a matter of uh, adding a few to it, changing a bit of shape and uh, and getting a few results, which kick-started the whole thing. As I said at the start there, the, the results and um, people playing well and uh, extra bodies into the squad all adds to a good environment and a good competitive environment at that, mm. which uh, obviously kicks people on. Uh, the involvement of Liam O'Brien uh, can't be underestimated as well alongside you. Who, who made that call? Was it yourself? Was it somebody above you? Or was it a kind of a mutual decision to, to pick up the phone and bring him in? No, no. Um, the, the, the chairman, when he offered me the job after the caretaker role, um, said, you probably need a bit of help. I said, yeah, I have someone in mind. Um, an ex-playing colleague of mine, uh, Liam. So he's experienced, as you know, from his uh, days in the UK. I played with him at Rovers for a few seasons, and he went to Man U from there and on to Newcastle and go career with Ireland. So he was available, and it was uh, it was great that he was available. From a coaching so, uh, from, from a coaching perspective, seeing the stuff that he'd done as well, particularly under Pat Fenlon, and to a degree on his own, I guess too, like that kind of caliber. To have it lying around the league almost unused as as, as it was, I suppose, at the start of the season is, is a great boon to yourself. Always oh, fantastic that he was available. I know Liam over the years and uh, he was, a, it was an easy call for me. It was just uh, convincing him that um, Bray, that I, with my ideas and stuff, that Bray was the place for him, you know. Mm. Um, he had been, as you say, away with Hibs and he'd been in Bowls and Rovers and a few other places. But um, 
yeah, he, he came along. He had a look for a few weeks. He's uh, enjoying himself at the moment. We're all enjoying ourselves. Um, the results do that to you. It, it just keeps everyone going, you know. Harry, well, when when you replaced Mick Cook in the temporary capacity, Bray had previously had four managers in almost 12 months to the day. How important has it been for yourself and even for the club that uh, uh, since you've come in that stability has been brought back to the club and with that the, uh, the results have uh, shown an, an upwards turn? Well, that's what the chairman had said to me when he, he offered me the position. You know, he just said uh, he was tired of changing managers and managers coming and going and leaving and he was looking for a bit of stability himself. Um, he didn't want to go through managers like at the drop of a hat um, every few months. So um, I gave him that commitment. If um, he was fair to me and I was fair to him, we would uh, create that bit of stability. I would do my best in the job and we would take it from there. And uh, it's worked out, thank God. Um, and we're, we're all delighted with the way it's going. In that respect, it's almost a two-way street as well, like you mentioned. I mean, you need to have some level of stability or some level of assurance from the board and from those essentially involved in the running of the club that things from their end are going to be stable and, and going to be on the level for the next while too. I have to say about the, the board and the chairman, they've been absolutely fantastic with their support. They've done absolutely everything I've asked Um whether it's going to matches with the food and the best of buttons, uh, looking after the boys with the, the gear, the training facilities. Uh, there was no stone unturned there. I swear mm. to God, they've, they've done an absolutely fantastic job. There's been no issues in relation to payments of players or anything like that. All bills paid. Um, the club is, is in a good financial state. It's on a pretty good footing and uh, I'm just trying to get the job done on the pitch to match what they're doing off the pitch so we're in, we're in good hands at this moment in time. You've mentioned there about the upturn of form for the club off the pitch and it's great to see that they're now in a sound financial footing but when you when you arrive in the Carlisle grounds with all the off-field issues with managers that has happened in the previous months, do you worry for the future? Do you go in and think this is a time to start a fresher or are you always looking over your shoulder? I'm talking about when you come into the club, not now. Uh, when I come into the club at the at the start, of course you would have those uh, little things going on in your head. That, you know, is this a, a club to be with? But I have to say, over the number of months, um, like we, I, I arrived with Mick, sort of at the back end of last season. Uh, we didn't have any issues at the back end of last season, so there was no issue in going then into the new season um, after building a relationship with the board and the people out in Bray. So, and and since then, it's there's been no problem and uh, there is a small bit of stability there and as I said earlier they couldn't be more supportive in what they're doing for to help me and to push Gray on to be one of the top clubs in the country I'm not sure what your arrangement is there at the moment Harry there's obviously um, a bit of an affinity after being built up between yourself and the club and the people running it stability is a word that we crave for every club in the league and to do that we need to kind of see progress from everybody but you seem to be pretty hopeful that there is something to be built here with Bray Oh, there's definitely something to, to to be built, yeah. I mean, uh, you just have to go out to the Carlisle the way it is now and the way it was a few years ago. Um, it's all, it's it's in great condition. Um, the people behind the scenes have looked after the ground. The pitch is fantastic. The changing rooms have been changed. There's, there's, they've painted up the place. The place is looking really, really well out there. Mm. And they're, they're trying to get stuff now going in the community with mascots and inviting kids up to the place. Greystones were up last week. Joey's were up 
have been up. So they're they're making uh, strides in the community as well. So there's a seriousness about them that they want to develop the club and certainly involve the community as well. Yeah, no, nothing changes in, in the fact that it's still always freezing out there in a matter of the time of year, um, 100%. Um, <laughs> yeah, particularly when you're on the away stands, Harry. There, I tell you. <laughs> um, football will definitely warm you up at this moment in time. 100% it would. Um, you're in a kind of unique position, though, in terms of the sheer geography of Bray and that you've got the, kind of got that nice little bit of distance um, from Dublin. Um, I suppose Rovers would be the, the, the closest uh, competitors in terms of catchment area, etc. Uh, but you've got to kind of be able to carve your own little niche out there in Wicklow. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we'd like the, the, the crowds to be better. It's just a matter of keeping it going on the pitch and mm. um, getting our act together off the pitch in relation to getting the community involved and getting the the uh, immediate area involved. Um, there is a little bit of a niche, as you say, there. Um, I started by talking about a local derby this week with Wexford. I mean, that's probably uh, the nearest country club to us, you know, on, on the East Coast there. So um, they're not a million miles away, but uh, they're calling it a derby at this moment in time, you know. But all that kind of stuff helps, you know. Of course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Harry, I don't, I don't want to put words in into your mouth, but as you mentioned there with the Wexer game, Bray's next four league games are all against teams outside the top five, and by the form that you've been in since uh, since basically since May, all four are are eminently winnable. Um, you're definitely tempting fate now. <laughs> Uh, and I don't like the way he has bows in here as being winnable, by the way, Harry. Just just to state my own side of things here. That's the handy you said them. <laughs> no, once, no, once a hoop. Um, yeah. um, going, going into this uh, tomorrow evening's game, that we, we've suspensions and injuries, which uh, this time of year sort of catches up with everyone. Like John Sullivan is suspended. He's been a key key player in the team. And Dylan Condy, as you mentioned, he's actually been suspended for this week. So... That's two key lads down already, and Ryan Brennan is only coming back to fitness. Dean Kelly's only coming back, so they won't be involved this week. So we're down the right few for this week, but for for the run in now, I'd like to think that most of them lads will be back, and we'll be able to give it a good bash and see how many points we can pick up between now and the end of the season. Have you spoken about retaining many players already? Have have been discussions begun with certain um, certain players as regards staying on for next season, or is that something you're not going to worry yourself with just at the moment? No, I said to the chairman the other day, like towards the end of the season, or even at the end of the season, we'll worry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just want to get over the line with this season and see see where we finish up, and then uh, get onto that sort of stuff about retaining players and all that, okay. and see who we can get in. I was, we'll look on with interest for the remainder of the season because uh, these past few months have been good uh, in the history yeah. of Bray Wanderers and uh, I suppose long may it continue from your point of view as well Harry thanks so much for joining us this afternoon Pleasure thanks very much thank you It's intermission time we're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often Uh, this time around on the podcast, we're joined by the Irish Daily Mirror's Paul O'Hare uh, with the news this week that, uh, from Frank Gavin at least, that they're going to start monkeying around with the uh, the coordination of the league and when it starts, Paul. Yeah, that's um, that, that came out with a few of the football journalists were invited along to the, the launch of the colleges and universities third level competition yesterday, you know, the season starting up, I think, in August, or sorry, in October, running through to February or so, so we all turned up at that, knowing that Frank Gavin was at it, and I think Fran was sort of 
fairly wise to the situation afterwards that a few of us would want to be talking to him about sort of, you know, more sort of League of Ireland events as mm. such. And he was kind of, you know, happy enough to talk about sort of Dundalk and Cork City and fixture congestion and all that type of thing, although it was sort of fairly well-policed uh, conversation um, with the, the FBI's Director of Communications, Ian Mallon, in, in, in sort of hovering around the, uh, the circle of journalists and interjecting at times when there was questions asked about other things that they didn't want to discuss on the day. But um, actually, in fairness to Fran, he actually offered up the line about the season starting early. It wasn't um, it wasn't necessarily a question that was put to him. Um, we had been asking him sort of various questions about Dundalk and Cork and when would the, the game between Dundalk and Cork be refixed and there was no word on that yet. And, uh, we're just sort of asking him about well, would this season that we're in at the moment, would it be extended? And he was sort of saying it was preferable to still finish the league campaign on Friday the 28th of October as planned. But then he did say there were, quote, lots of contingency plans in place, and the suspicion being that it could be potentially kicked back if needed to the bank holiday Monday, the 31st of October, which would you know, allow scope for maybe games on the Friday and the Monday if needs be. But Fran was very clear that, you know, that was kind of a last resort for the FBI, that they, they really wanted to finish the season as scheduled on the 28th. And he believes it can be done at the moment. Just in relation to... The, the moving of well, we'll get to we'll get to the end of this season first of all um, because when he says they have several contingency plans in, in, kind of that they're, they're tossing around I suppose amongst their own their own heads Halloween and playing on the bank holiday Monday is obviously one of them do you see or envisage I suppose it's not something that you're going to get out of Gavin uh, or stretching beyond then I don't think so um, like I know Dundalk had sort of you know when they were right in the mix of sort of qualifying for the Europa League group stages and sort of it was kind of dawning on Stephen Kenny and club officials as to what exactly that was going to entail with the postponement of league games and rescheduling of league games. I think they had initially sort of requested that would there be any scope for kicking the league back? And, you know, obviously that's not going to sort of curry favour with the likes of Cork City who are going for the title with mm-hmm. them and, and, and other league clubs, you know, who, who might have to end up paying players for a week or so longer. Uh, so that that sort of certainly Stephen Kenny after a couple of games up in Oriel Park, when he was asked about about that, um, he sort of seemed pretty resigned to the fact that it wasn't going to happen in terms of extending the season. And now yesterday, Fran certainly didn't rule it out, you know, as I was saying there, he was. it is definitely the FBI's preference to finish the league season um, on that Friday, the 28th of October. But, you know, Fran did say there was lots of contingency plans in place and just, there's a suspicion now that if needs be, and again, I stress the FBI were pretty pretty sort of keen that it, it was only if needs be that there might be scope to sort of maybe play final league games on on, on that bank holiday, uh, Halloween day, you know. Paul, I can't remember this happening before in the League of Ireland, but I do remember a similar situation a few years ago in Scotland where I think it was during one of those awful winters uh, that the league games had to be pushed back and I think Celtic won the league. I was either on a Tuesday or Wednesday night in the last round of games. So even though this mightn't look great for the League of Ireland, there is, there is a, for a better word, a local precedence error. Yeah, I think there is. You know, I, I I think I think it makes sense. You know, to, to like to sort of kick it back a little bit. If 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 you know there is a situation whereby if the FAI Cup semi-finals next weekend go to a replay, Dundalk could end up playing something ridiculous like three games in five games, five days or something like that. Mm-hmm. I need to just double check that. But you know, I, I suppose John Caulfield has been banging the drum recently about the FAI are going out of their way to facilitate Dundalk in the title run in, and that they're accommodating Dundalk's games and. I think he used the word, it's unfair. And we actually put this to Frank Gavin yesterday um, to see what his thoughts on it were. And he seemed a bit puzzled by the whole thing because 
he came back and told us that, you know, I've been speaking to John Caulfield on Tuesday. I've met him. I've spoke to him over the phone and he's never once raised any of these issues with me. Um, you know, so like John does sort of seem to be trotting out that line on a regular basis at press conferences and perhaps it's sort of classic siege mentality stuff. And maybe, you know, Fran Gavin yesterday was talking about, you know, there is a possibility of mind games going on between various managers that are in the mix for the title. Um, so there seems to be something in that. All right. But, you know, if they do kick kick the season back, I, I you know, it's probably going to rub the likes of Cork City up the wrong way. And then there's the whole just the whole sort of, you know, when 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 and where can they can they sort of slot in this big game between Dundalk and Cork that was postponed at the start of September because of uh, Cork City's had two players, Shawnee Maguire and Kevin O'Connor, in the Republic of Ireland 21 squad. Mm. You have to remember it was Cork City who, 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 well within their rights, but they were the ones who postponed this game, you know. And with so much at stake in that game, it could obviously be a, a big title deciding game and do they slot it in on a Tuesday night in Oriel Park do they try and hold it back for some sort of uh, season ending title decider like we had a few seasons ago it's all up in the air Stephen Kenny the other night after the Shamrock Rovers game talking to him in the press conference afterwards he was none the wiser as to when the game would be replayed he was saying he and um, various sort of board members at Dundalk had been so they're trying to get answers out of the FBI as to when the game would be on. I was up in Finn, Finn Park on Monday night talking to John Caulfield after they beat Finn Harps and he was none the wiser. Mm. And Frank Gavin yesterday wasn't able to offer any light on it either, you know. So that's a huge one that they still have to slot in. Whether that's going to be a game that could be fixed for Bank Holiday Monday, the 31st of October, who knows. Um, the impetus to change and have the league start earlier from Gavin's point of view and from the FBI's point of view, um, it, it's, it's a quote you have here in the mirror saying, there's a recognition from everybody that as the league grows and our teams do better in Europe, you need to look at the structure of the league, you need to look at the length of the season to see if you can fit those in over the next few weeks, we'll make some announcements around that. It's it struck me that like our teams aren't necessarily doing better in Europe. One is, clearly, like that's, you know, Dundalk, they're doing phenomenally well in the Europa League. Um, but it's 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 a case whereby you can kind of see Caulfield or somebody else's grievances that it's just one team that's doing well. You can't necessarily, if you're a Finn Harps, like we had, we heard from Molly Horgan last week, who was talking about them having to play a league game at the last. They were informed on a Saturday that they'd be playing on the Monday because the way you know certain cup ties fell, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Having the league start a month earlier, just from a purely financial standpoint, it might be okay for Dundalk, it might be okay for Cork City, Shamrock Rovers, who knows. Um, but for a Finn Harps, for a Bray, perhaps we heard from Harry Kenny earlier on the show. Like it, it's not necessarily going to make things any easier for them. No, it's not. And like that, that was one of the questions I asked Fran yesterday in terms of, you know, it, it is all well and good sort of accommodating these clubs because Fran kept sort of talking about, uh, and maybe this is what John Caulfield's getting out about the clubs or the FBI facilitating Dundalk. But Fran made numerous references to sort of Dundalk in Europe this season and how. It's a priority of the FEI to try and give them as much preparation and good preparation as they can for for these big games because I guess it is you know people are judging the League of Ireland now and you know the success of the League of Ireland or the, the sort of the failure of the League of Ireland the, the people sort of from the outside are judging it on European results. Um, so you know, Fran is you know he was he was definitely sort of making a making a case that they would do everything they could possibly do for Dundalk but then as you say there is a flip side to all of this and the likes of the Finn Harps the Braves does it mean you know that they're going to have to start paying players um, slightly earlier do they just spread out the wage that they're offering these players over you know an extra week or two because that was the other thing that Fran said there was no indication from them yesterday of 
precisely how much earlier the season will start next year. Mm. It could be a week, it could be two, it could be three. There was no indication of that. But the undertone of, of from what I took, reading between the lines, was there was definitely this, you know, starting the season earlier next season was definitely a contingency plan if another club, if Dundalk, say Dundalk win the league again, if they go and repeat what they've done in Europe this season by reaching the group stages, they want to kind of have a contingency plan in place from the get-go uh, to kind of avoid this type of fixture congestion because, you know, say you were talking there about Ali Horgan and Bray Wanderers and clubs like that, okay, so that's going to be an issue for them in terms of payment for players. Um, but you also hear a lot of the managers from some of these part-time clubs giving out that they have to play a game on a Friday and then they have to travel half the length of the country on a Monday. I'm guessing that if they if they bring the season forward by a couple of weeks, that could sort of iron out the you know the prospect of having to play some of these back back games so quickly. So perhaps it does suit the likes of the Finn Harps, the Bray Wanderers, that they mightn't have to squeeze in as many midweek fixtures. There will still be midweek fixtures, but there mightn't be as many of them. And perhaps you know that is a drum that some of the part-time clubs and the managers of those clubs you know beat that it's all well and good for the. The full-time clubs going the length and breadth of the country within playing two games in four days, but you know we can't cope. We've lads at work, blah blah blah. This could pro- potentially iron it out. And Fran Gavin yesterday was sort of talking about the need to be fair to all clubs in this, and that you're never going to please everybody, and somebody's going to have a gripe with whatever the FAI do and whatever decisions are made around the league. It's not always going to suit every single club, and they have to pr- approach this with a sort of a you know a degree of fairness to every club. Mm. I guess part-time clubs, if, if they're not faced with the prospect of having to sort of travel here, there and everywhere for two games in four days, as has happened routinely this season and previous seasons, maybe that's a good thing for them as well. You know, Is it the prerogative, though, of the FAI this season to try and facilitate Dundalk to help them be as successful as they can in Europe? Obviously, we see every year, especially in the, in the Premier League, with managers complaining about in the Champions League or Europa League having to play games on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, followed by Saturdays or Sundays. Success brings more games and maybe Dundalk still haven't realised yet that with the added uh, with the added games to their fixture list, they're just going to have to manage it in the best way they can. Yeah, and uh, there has been kind of a fair bit of whinging, I guess, from from some managers in terms of, um, you know, like said, the Dundalk, Cork and, and Derry, Kenny Shields and Caulfield and Kenny. Like they, they all have their gripes about sort of having to fit all these games in, but... As Brian Gartland said the other night after the Shamrock Rovers, the draw with Shamrock Rovers, you know, you just get on with it. This is the price of success. Um, so you have to deal with it. And, you know, like it or lump it, these are the games you have to play. And if you are if you want to be a successful team, this is, you know, these are the consequences if you want to call them that. Um, as for do the FEI make it a prerogative, um, I think, like, personally speaking, I just think that this league... And this is just a personal opinion, but I just don't think the league is really ever going to develop, ever going to change until a club makes a breakthrough like Shamrock Rovers did five years ago, like Dundalk have done this year. And I think Dundalk are probably better placed, and I think most people would agree that they're better placed than Shamrock Rovers were five or six years ago to sort of make a bit of an imprint in this group. They've obviously got off to a good start with a, with a fine point in Holland, and who knows what they'll do in this group. But I do think that that is the yardstick from which the league is going to be judged. How many how many interviews have you listened to, have you read from some of the Dundalk players even this season alone, sort of where they say this league will only be judged by, you know, people outside the League of Ireland, if you want to call it that, sort of the, the, the Irish football fans who support Premier League clubs, they'll only really pay attention to the League of Ireland if a club is going well in Europe and they don't really care what happens beyond that. Mm. And maybe maybe it does take maybe it does need just 
um, you know, a club to make a breakthrough like that for actually somebody, you know, to, to, to put this league on the map. And if that means that the FAI have to be helpful to Dundalk and trying to sort of facilitate, you know, the, the, the backlog of fixtures, then, you know, I think so be it. Yeah. Obviously, it's not going to, it's going to rub up sort of opposition managers probably the wrong way. Um, but, you know, what can you do? Like, you know, we've, we, we, we've been sort of banging this drum for years about the league and it's nothing ever changes and it's just going around in circles all the time and there's no progression, there's no development but here you have a team like Dundalk who are a serious team and a fine team and they're in the Europa League group stages generating great publicity for themselves and it's all off their own bat really and I think, you know, if, if there's any way of facilitating that and giving them good preparation for games to actually make a lasting sort of imprint in people's minds then Personally, I'm in favour of that. Uh, before I go all Columbo on you, one final thing, Paul, before we let you go. Um, this all stemmed from obviously a conversation whereby you were speaking with Frank Gavin and Frank Gavin was speaking at the launch of uh, the college's uh, season. It seems to me that there's, the, the lines of communication are never really that open as regards uh, to the league from the FAI. I mean, it takes something like this whereby Frank Gavin is speaking at something else before you can ask him about another thing and then you have somebody hovering over him trying to legislate what he can or can't be asked. That kind of relationship can't be really a healthy one if 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 the, if the game is to progress, I guess, as well. Sure, like, you know, I think definitely maybe sort of some of these briefings that we would have had with Fran were, they were probably a bit more sort of more regular for a start. Same applies to John Delaney going over the years. You know, we we would have had sort of a lot more sort of access to these guys. Um, you know, Fran, in fairness, is reasonably sort of accessible Um Maybe the number of press conferences that he would have fronted up for probably not quite as sort of it's not quite as frequent as he used to be. Now I should say that you know the the, the gig out in Abbotstown the other day for the colleges and the universities uh, league, it was a, you know there was absolutely no sort of uh, tension or anything like that in terms of with Fran and, and with the Hampton. There was only sort of four or five, yeah, maybe six journalists. But there. it's just it the regularity like, of it, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know there has been obviously numerous sort of contentious issues in the league this season and like any other season really I know Fran was on Soccer Republic that night with Brian Kerr and seemed to take a bit of a beating and um, you know we haven't seen sort of too much of them since then and I don't know perhaps that explains why the FEI's Director of Communications was um, was hovering around uh, yesterday at the interview sort of taping the interview but that's that's a fairly standard practice uh, if we talk to Martin O'Neill or Roy Keane the FEI will tape those interviews too you know so that's not unusual Um there was a point yesterday during, you know, Fran. Fran was very happy to talk about Dundalk and fixture congestion, what have you. Um, but there was a point where one of the other journalists sort of just, you know, threw a curveball in on, you know, it was something sort of, something sort of fairly innocuous, like um, I think it was attendances. I think there was a question about attendances, and the uh, the press officer jumped in straight away and nipped it in the bud and said, "No, we're not here for that today." You know, so that was, uh, you know, quickly move on yeah. to the next question. Um, so you know, you know, yeah, it, sort of more open, freer discussion is healthy, I guess. Um, we definitely don't get as many of these press briefings as we used to, and maybe that's part of the problem. That I think a lot of people would say that the FEI, you know, the the lines of communication and sort of open openness and transparency perhaps isn't there. Yeah, it's probably another discussion for another day. But anyway, uh, Paul O'Hare, a football correspondent with the Irish Daily Mirror, thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, there you go, Paul O'Hare there speaking about plans to elongate A this season and B possibly next season starting earlier. Um, we shall see, we shall see. I definitely think the having more lines of communication open with the FAI and them being able to talk about things yeah. more openly 
would help a lot because you mentioned uh, Frank Gavin going on Soccer Republic and you know taking a bit of a kicking they just spoke a little bit more often then he doesn't leave himself open to these things yes because he's he hadn't spoken in public so people are building these things up and building up grievances and they essentially turn into we're not saying we want a weekly press briefing with Frank Gavin but just available and available uh, to talk with him yes because then you know you turn into George's dad in Seinfeld I got a lot of problems with you people (laughs) now you're going to hear about it Uh, anyway um, maybe we could bring him on for Festivus we should have a festival special on the yeah. show, uh, even though we'd be off. We, don't, we will do because the airing of League of Ireland grievances, the airing of League of Ireland grievances, <laughs> will happen on the twenty third of December for yes. this podcast. Email me personally; I will take these on. Uh, Richie McCormack, R I C H I E M C C O R M A C K eight two at gmail dot com, or you can get me at Daniel Kelly at Newstalk dot com. Good God, these are going to be good, aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah. Please, please email us your festivist grievances for the League of Ireland. <laughs> what have I created? We've created an awful. This is going to be Christmas work for us yeah. that week. But yeah, there you go. That's it's fine. probably it's probably worth it. A festivist for the rest of us. Uh, coming up this week uh, in fixtures wise, uh, just to bring up to date what's going to be going on on Friday in the first division. First of all, uh, Athlone will be taking on UCD and Cabin Tealy facing. Draw out of both of those have 7.45 starts as does I misread this one Shelburne at home to Limerick and then on Saturday it's Waterford going to Cove Ramblers in the Premier Division it is first against third Dundalk against Derry that's in Oriel Park on Friday night at 7.45 also 7.45 it's Bohemians against Longford two teams I've got a lot of mentions on today's podcast Lee Chins Wexford Utes yes Lee Chins Wexford Utes that's will, what we're going to be called from now will, on uh, will Lee Chin first of all start the game I'm sure he'll play it because there will be a big crowd in Furry Carrick Park to I'll see be him. on the bench yeah, yeah. He will certainly make an appearance and they are against Harry Kenny's Bray Wanderers. That's at 8. Also at 8, Shermock Rovers take on Galway and Finn Harps take on St. Pat's. On Saturday evening, it's Slugger Rovers against 2nd place Cork City. That's at 7.45 and due to the massive backlog and fixtures, mm. there's also plenty of midweek games next week before we return. Tuesday night, Cork are at home to Galway. That's in Turners Cross at 7.45. And then on also on Tuesday evening at 7.45, it's Derry against Shermock Rovers and St. Pat's welcomes Slugger Rovers to Richmond Park. There you go. Hell of a lot to uh, to take in fixtures-wise. Hopefully you'll get along to a game uh, during the course of things. And we came this far in the podcast, Dan, and we didn't even mention this week's episode of the Great British Bake Off because yes. I know it's been affecting us both badly the way Val exited yeah. uh, this week's competition. And I'm sorry for the spoiler if you've uh, not been uh, watching it. Um, but yeah, um, Val's speech touched us all. It did, and I have, I have a soft spot for the older contestants in the Bake Off. You know, Nor- Brendan from a couple of years ago. Norman, is, Norman. Norman is still my star. Brendan was the Irish guy from a few years ago yes. who was really, really good. Norman, Norman was two, years, ago. two yeah. years ago. Two yeah. years ago, I think. But Norman is, uh, Norman is still my He's overall He's your gold favorite. standard for older contestants. A man who thought the pesto was exotic. Val reminded me of everybody's mom in that she was on there baking. She was going to do it her way and she didn't yes. need a damn recipe in front and of her. And she made it with a lot of love. Everything that she put into it was made with a lot of love. And I know both of us were watching it last yeah. night. Not, not, not together may I because we don't live together as much as I'd love to <laughs> <laughs> love to yeah, yeah I'd okay. love to live with you already. thanks Dan I'd love yeah. to live with you too you'd be a nicer housemate than Langan yeah true that is true. that is without question so we'll leave the last words in this week's podcast to the lovely Val from the Great British Bake Off till next week goodbye thanks very much bye when you bake you always bake for a, a, a reason and you're giving it to people so you make it the best you can and you make it with love and whenever I make anything I stir love into it I need love into it. And so when I present it, it's special.